Hi, and welcome to Compelling Conversations, where law meets business. I'm Dara Rosenbaum, a founding partner and attorney at Rosenbaum & Taylor in New York. My own journey has shown me the power of learning from others, whether from their successes or their failures. And that's actually what led me to start this show. In each episode, my goal is to have a compelling conversation with a business leader, business owner, or other inspiring person who will share with us their experiences, their advice, and their perspectives. I hope you'll learn from them and be inspired by them, just as I'm sure I will. You can find this show on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. I am thrilled today to have with us Natasha Porter, who is the Chief Customer Officer of Benchmark Digital Partners, LLC. She has over 25 years of experience and leadership in the environmental health and safety and the digital solution field with roles as a compliance assurance manager, Six Sigma master black belt, program manager, EVP, and her current role as chief customer officer for Benchmark. Her history of leading large organizational compliance and regulatory based on digital initiatives for diverse global customers has been key in her career and her current role. Natasha received her BS in civil and environmental engineering and graduated with an MSE in environmental management and economics from the Johns Hopkins University. In 2021, she was recognized by environment and energy leader in their 100 list of non of honorees, excuse me, for her recent initiatives in artificial intelligence and machine learning technologies to improve safety in the workforce. So Natasha, it is wonderful to see you. <laughs> Lovely to have you here. Oh, it's great to be here, Dara. Thank you so much for including me on this oh, podcast. My pleasure. So what does Benchmark do and what do you do there? Yeah, so as you shared, I am the Chief Customer Officer for Benchmark Digital Partners. And really what we focus in on is providing environmental, social, and governance software solutions across different industries. And I think for um, your benefit and also for the folks that are listening, I'll share a little bit about what ESG, environmental, social, and governance really means. That'd be because great. This, is, this is really about um, you know ensuring companies are providing their products and services in the market in, in an environmentally friendly way. So if you hear about climate change and you know, carbon emission reductions, that's really what folks are um, focusing in on. The second part is the social aspect of ESG, which is all about empowering employees, um, uh, being cognizant of human rights, ensuring that you're producing your products and services in a socially responsible way. So not using child labor as, as an example. And the third piece, um, governance, is really about business ethics, uh, ensuring you have cybersecurity under control and overall enterprise risk management. So there's a lot of things that go into ESG, and there's a, a number of different frameworks that businesses use to figure out how they're going to align their targets and objectives to meet these various requirements. And I think, you know, if to think about ESG in more of a practical way that I think connects with all of us, I'll share with you an, an example. Um, you know, I received an email from uh, White House Black Market, which is a pretty well-known um, uh, women's store. And this email came out in January and it really caught my attention because it talked about how I could recycle my jeans with them. And it had an excellent write-up that really talked about the impact that we all have on our environment when we don't recycle our jeans. And that 
translates into about 70 pounds of textiles that end up in landfills each year per person. And our landfills are already, you know, busting at the seams. So we need to figure out a more environmentally friendly way to address this. So this store says, look, bring your jeans back to us. We'll give you, you know, $20 off for your next pair of jeans. And then we're going to take those jeans and we're going to recycle them and use them in um, petting uh, bed inserts, in mattresses, in shipping containers. So truly taking that and recycling it into other use. And you'll find these examples all over the place if you look, or even if you do a quick search online for any of the common places that you shop, um, which is fascinating. So this is really a huge push, um, you know, from a, a global perspective across all industries and companies. Is it a relatively new area of environmental health and safety? I mean, I would say it's an it's an extension. So you know, we started off when we were developing um, the tools that make up Benchmark ESG today, 25 years ago. And I started my career, as you shared, as an engineer in environmental health and safety. Mm-hmm. And it's really grown, I think, out of uh, environmental health and safety. So if you look at the ESG metrics and things, probably 70% of them connect to EHS. And the other portion relate to the social and governance aspects that I talked about. So I think, you know, EHS leaders um, in industry five to 10 years ago are now starting to take on a lot more hats in the ESG space, as well as other functional leaders in HR and finance and in other roles. But it sounds like you're talking about ESG, not only in the context of people who are running factories, but even people who are running maybe like a retail chain. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the White House black market example is a perfect one for retail. And then I just read an article earlier today about Chipotle um, Mm -hmm. coming out with their overall sustainability and ESG targets um, as it relates to how they source the food that we eat when we go to Chipotle. So it's just really fascinating to see that. And and I think it's going to touch us from a consumer perspective all the way through to, you know, shareholders and investors and how they're deciding where they're going to put their money and where they're going to invest. So what does Benchmark do? Is Benchmark tracking the ESG compliance or ESG standards or what kind of role is Benchmark playing? Yeah, it's a great question. So we're in the software space supporting all aspects of ESG. So I'll give you a practical example. Um, There's kind of the high level overall um, ESG frameworks that I talked about. And you have to be able to define which framework you're using, what metrics you're going to be working towards, and roll up that data so you can share that with stakeholders and investors. So we have a play and a solution at the highest level from an organization and reporting perspective. The second piece is really enabling our customers to have workflow applications. So, for example, if somebody has uh, their waste program, so as they're generate, creating their product, they're going to have different types of waste, hazardous and non-hazardous waste. They have to dispose of that per certain regulations. They can use a tool in Benchmark called the Waste Tracker application to help them manage the day-to-day process And then that data and information can roll up to their ESG director solution um, and be part of that overall report out. So companies can really pick and choose where they want to engage with us based on where they have the biggest needs to leverage and utilize software technology. Mm -hmm. And then they're using that information, for example, to go to investors or even to consumers to make themselves more appealing in the marketplace. 
Yeah, exactly. And I mean, companies, um, you know, like Chipotle, um, White House Black Market, all these different places will be, if they haven't already, they will be publishing their sustainability and ESG commitments. And it's typically online. You can just search it really quickly. So if you make the commitments, you have to be able to say, how are you meeting those commitments? Mm -hmm. So for example, if you're reducing your CO2 emissions by a certain percentage by 20, you know, 2030, well, you have to be able to track and showcase progress towards that. And the consumers um, and the marketplace want to be able to see that just as much as the stakeholders and the investors do as well. So, and what do you do at Benchmark? Um, so as the chief customer officer, I'm in charge of managing our entire global team that supports our subscriber community. So um, as new folks come into the subscriber fold with us and they launch different tools in Benchmark, our team is engaging with them on a day-to-day -day, uh, capacity from an account management perspective to help meet their needs and then also explore how they can expand their deployment with Benchmark. So if they're utilizing uh, the waste tool as an example, as I mentioned, and they wanna do something in the ESG space or sustainability space, we can work with them on showcasing the solution and helping them deploy that as a, as a next step. How large is the team? You said global. Uh, yeah, we have about 480 team members all around the world, and we have um, 13 offices. So we're headquartered in Cincinnati, Ohio, but we have locations in Canada, Mexico, a number of uh, locations in Europe, India, China, and also Australia. And what career path brought you to Benchmark? Oh, such a great question. Um, I think all of us at uh, Benchmark have a very different and a really interesting and unique starting point. So for me, I did civil and environmental engineering, um, and I really went down the path when I started my career um, having an interest in environmental health and safety regulations and helping industries, uh, and I worked for General Electric when I started my career, really helping uh, different plants and facilities at GE make sure that they were meeting their regulatory requirements. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I was working with a senior leader at GE who had a real passion and interest in digital technology and combining the two together because just inherently meeting regulatory requirements is very, very paper intensive. Um, and, you know, then people change jobs, you lose the paper and you're kind of starting over again. Mm -hmm. So the idea of combining that with digital software solutions was really, really interesting to me. And the next thing you know, we're creating these tools, rolling them out across GE. We spin off as a separate company in 2010, and now we support over 350 subscribers worldwide. So if you would have asked me, you know, when I graduated from Hopkins, what do you think you'll be doing in the next 10 to 20 years? I could have never imagined this, but it's uh, it's been an awesome, awesome, really fun ride. And the combo of technology and software solutions with the compliance space that we're in has been fantastic. And I think, you know, COVID and just going through the pandemic that we all have experienced last two years has amplified the importance of technology in really any kind of career. And I think your bio mentioned uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence. Is that part of the ESG? Is that part of what you do at Benchmark or sort of just a third thing? Yeah. So um, on the artificial intelligence side, I've always had just this interest in AI. So a couple of years ago, um, I met some folks at a conference who had been working on doing some um, AI development 
And, you know, I was thinking, you know, how could we incorporate and bring AI technology into Benchmark? Um, and really one of the key drivers behind that was how could we look at repeatable processes and things that a computer could learn that's going to give back to the functional leader so much time? And also, how could the computer give functional leaders insights to things that they would have never been able to find on their own or would have taken two, three months to analyze the data. And by the time you're done with that, the data is old and your insights are old. So we started really just exploring and doing some trials and pilots um, with different type of external AI technology into the benchmark platform and found a lot of success with it. Um, so last year, we actually brought on an artificial intelligence leader into our company who has been doing some absolutely incredible development work. So we're building AI technology and incorporating it into our software in different um, aspects. And then we're also continuing to look for third-party vendors that have very unique um, value-added AI technology that we can also integrate into the platform. And we haven't quite... Um, developed an AI solution yet for ESG, but that is the plan. I mean, we, we kicked off the development of the ESG director uh, tool last year, and I think the next logical progression step will be how can we integrate AI into that? And I guess that leads into the next question, which is sort of what's the future of Benchmark? Where's Benchmark going? Yeah, I mean, this is, um, you know, we while well, we started off, as I mentioned, in GE, and in 2010, we spun out as a separate company. And then after a decade of really being in the market and available for folks to engage, um, we took on the process of rebranding and really repositioning ourselves in the market last year. Mm -hmm. So this is like our next chapter really entering into the ESG space. I think ESG is here to stay. It is not going away. I think it's going to become more complex and regulatory required. That's the key thing if you look at anything in the news. Um, that's really the big push, especially with the focus on climate change. Um, and our goal and objective is to keep innovating and stay ahead of the market on the software technology side to provide our customers with the best solutions, um, you know, to, to help them in, in this endeavor and the process as we continue. And then I think the other big piece is how do we continue to leverage innovative technology like artificial intelligence and other solutions to make people's jobs easier? Uh, I think with the great resignation and changes that people are going through in industries and jobs, there aren't enough people in different roles. So folks are really, really understaffed. So if you can apply AI technology to help fill a void or a gap, that's a really big game changer. So I think that's the other um, big area we're going to continue to invest in. Do you see the future in terms of jobs in ESG? Do you see people having specifically ESG roles, or do you see ESG touching people's roles regardless of, you know, sort of where they sit in the company? I think it's a combo of both. Um, it's really interesting because as I look at different positions and roles on LinkedIn, as an example, the amount of sustainability and ESG senior leadership roles and program roles is increasing, I would say, daily mm -hmm. because companies are trying to get their hands around this and it typically requires inputs from a number of different functional leaders to be able to say, these are our ESG commitments and what we're going to be working towards. So you could either explore or be in a role as an ESG leader for a company, 
or you can be in a functional role like environmental health and safety, HR, finance, and, and have critical inputs that, that really influence the direction of what's going on for the ESG commitments. And I think you and I spoke offline about an accountant, you know, or somebody who's in, you know, the CPA who was being tasked with doing some work in ESG, which was sort of new and unfamiliar, at least at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because a lot of my um, contacts now that are in like financial roles um, know that we rebranded our company and they keep saying, you know, I'm getting all of these requests for information, these 50 page documents all about what our ESG commitments are. You know, can you, can you help me navigate some of this? And, and then they also are starting to think about, wow, like we're going to get the requests for this type of data, not just once, this is going to be an ongoing thing. So how do we think about digitally enabling this through some type of a software solution? Because that's actually how you make it sustainable. And it's also auditable because you've got to be able to showcase that to your investors as well. And I would imagine that it makes it ongoing so that you're not sitting down when you get that 50 page request and mm-hmm. start to, you know, hand calculate these things or pull from emails or pull from, you know, various parts of your document system. Exactly. Yep. Spot on, Dara. <laughs> Thank you. You've, you've taught me well already. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're going to be an ESG expert by the time we're done today. <laughs> I'm still going to refer those questions to you. <laughs> Where where does the education in ESG come from? I mean, is there a, is there a program people take or on the job yeah. training? Where do you I, go when you realize that you need to know this? Yeah, it's um. I mean, honestly, that's a huge challenge. So if you think about um, right now, if you are front and center on delivering for ESG and sustainability commitments, or you're part of a team that's trying to do that, I think that's one of the biggest challenges today. I mean, I know of. Um, one uh, university that's really focusing on creating a um, uh, an overall degree and, and program focused on ESG, mm-hmm. but that's one of a, a very many. So mm-hmm. there are focus points where um, individuals can get a degree in environmental or sustainability. It's aspects of ESG. So I think a, a big part of the university Uh, community, it's going to be important for schools to really think about how they can form a degree um, for individuals that really want to get into this space, because this is going to be very much a long-term, I think, career path. The other um, resource I think that's that's good is if you can find some forums to be able to connect into. Um, We actually created our own at Benchmark um, just because our existing subscribers and new prospective subscribers that have been talking to us have said, you know, what resources do you have? So we said, well, we we know people. So why don't we get some really smart people together um, and have them start sharing like regulatory updates? What are these frameworks about? How can you tackle this? And then also showcasing how a digital solution can really help. So these executive forums, we typically offer them um, once or, you know, once or twice a quarter and we have special experts in different parts of the ESG space join and really share their perspectives because this whole area is evolving. It's not a like fixed science at this point. So what you learned, you know, three months ago may have shifted quite a bit. So staying up to speed on that and being able to connect in with um, some type of a forum or group is important. Now, are those forums open to your subscribers or to other people as well? We've opened them up to everyone. Actually, I did an, an interview um, before our call today, and um, one of the the interviewee attended our forum discussion yesterday. 
So it's, yeah, it was, it was great. I was like, that's really um, smart planning to attend that and get a little bit more education and information about what ESG is about in advance of uh, doing an interview. So it was a smart idea and it's open to everybody. Okay, terrific. So I'll just, I'll take that, that link from you or that, that, that location from you so that people can, can access that if they want to. Oh, sounds great. Yeah. And any other resource you would refer people to if they're curious about ESG or they're, or they're getting you know, requests for ESG and they just don't know, what, don't know where to start? Yeah. I mean, honestly, um, the best thing I would say is hop on Google and you can do a search for ESG frameworks. Like I mentioned, there's a, a couple of key acronyms like GRI, CDP, SASB, and TCFD. Those are kind of which are what? <laughs> yes. It's, it's a bunch of acronyms, but you can you just do it. I would say just do a quick search on ESG frameworks and you'll okay. you'll you'll see some of these things pop up. Okay. That's probably the the first place to start because it talks about like what are the constructs in those frameworks and what industries typically use which frameworks. Mm-hmm. Then from there you can start to take a look at what are the requirements in those frameworks and think about how that applies in your business. So if you're really trying to understand the foundational aspects of ESG, I think that's a really great place to start. There are also some really um, easy, um, quick educational videos on YouTube too, which is just what is ESG about? I think that can help provide kind of a broader picture about ESG and, and give some practical examples like I had also shared earlier in our discussion. I think those practical examples probably make it relevant to everybody as opposed to yeah. the alphabet soup you just gave me. Exactly. <laughs> I know there's a test at the end of this. You have to recite the acronyms. I'm not prepared. <laughs> do you do you have any advice for other students coming out with a with a degree in engineering, or even just you know it, pursuing another mm-hmm. another industry or another field? Um, yeah. To kind of figure you know figure out what what they need to know. Yeah, I would say um, if you're looking to get into the ESG space, or or like you said, in, in another field, just looking to explore something different. I'd say do some research first. And just like the candidate I interviewed earlier today, join a couple of forums and listen to what experts and leaders are talking about Mm -hmm. and figure out, is that really what you're interested in doing? Mm -hmm. Um, Can you see yourself in the short term and the long term wanting to go down that path and explore it? Mm -hmm. So if the answer is yes, then you can think about, are there any type of educational training um, courses that you could take, depending on, on what your background is and, and how relevant that is for the job that you're looking to get into next. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will typically look for that when I'm interviewing a candidate. So you can do some type of a, a class of some sort to fill in maybe a gap or an area that you think would help you. And then start networking. I mean, get on LinkedIn and start networking with people. Um, I think folks are typically pretty open for uh, answering questions, especially if somebody's interested in exploring a new um, career path, uh, you know, asking experts and sending them a little note on LinkedIn, I think is a great way to start. And it feels to me like it's value added for people, like you said, even in the HR space or financial, where somebody, can, you know, can set themselves apart in an interview or on a resume where they have some additional credentials or some additional experience or interest that really might might help a company that maybe they're not even anticipating. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was thinking about when you said, you know, HR inclusion and diversity is so important. And that is a fundamental piece of ESG as well. Mm -hmm. So as an HR leader, 
um, having experience and training in inclusion and diversity, that could be a great, you know, connection connection point to a broader ESG committee that may be forming that you lead or that you are part of in a company. So that's where you can still um, be in a role as a functional leader and an expert, you know, managing a domain, but have very, very critical and important inputs to a much broader construct like ESG that impacts stakeholders, your consumers, and also your investors. I mean, it sounds to me what what you're saying is that people are going to be your best resource because it's changing so fast. There's no book you can read and there's no there's no, not necessarily a complete course you can take or a certification you can get. It's yeah. sort of a, a learn from, you know, learn from your peers and learn from the people who are doing it. Yep, ex- exactly. And, and I think that'll change over time, but right now that's the advice I, I would share is, is use the resources that are available and out there, get plugged into a, a forum of sorts, whether it's through benchmark or some other, um, you know, forum that you find helpful, depending on what your role is and how you want to get more engaged in, in ESG, um, I think that's that's a really great place to start. It just feels to me like sort of the next, not frontier, it's not, it's not uncharted, but it feels like it's sort of the next, you know, main focus for a lot of businesses, no matter, like yeah. you said, whether it's retail or fast food or anything in between. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Because I, 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 I think it's fair to say new frontier. It, it is. I mean, in, in, in a way, I mean, it's uh, it, it's it's really like an, an evolution. And you had even talked about that earlier, mm-hmm. you know, EHS and some other functions really evolving into kind of the next next step and in, in what's important from a climate change and keeping our planet going and, and making sure that we're having positive impacts, not negative impacts to the environment and the people around us. Mm-hmm. Well, you've had a heck of a career so far, and I know you're not done. Um, but is there something that you've learned along the way that you wish you'd known earlier? You know, I was, um, I was kind of thinking about that. And I would say, I mean, I know this is probably a little bit broad, but no question is a stupid question or a dumb question to ask. Mm-hmm. And I would say very early on in my career, when, when I'd be in different discussions, um, you know, I was probably a little bit quieter, right? I wasn't the expert in the room. A couple of years into my job, I was really learning and absorbing and trying to execute what I was doing. And I would have these different ideas or questions that would come to mind, and I would hold back on asking that. Mm-hmm. And I think now, especially when I look at what we're doing in the artificial intelligence space, especially... Mm-hmm. Man, the questions and the ideas are so important to verbalize because AI is such an amorphous um, area and you just don't have all the answers. So the way you get to the answers is by a series of questions and ideas to be able to iterate to that. So, I mean, the, the caveat to all of that is make sure you ask your question or share your idea with the right audience at the right time. Mm-hmm. But do it. Don't sit on it, because I think that can really generate, you know, the next innovation or next key and you know, a cool thing that that your company needs to um, work on and work towards. And that to me, I think, comes back and ties back to the diversity and inclusion portion of piece that you were talking about, where, you know, you want to have those diverse voices in the room, because especially in the, in the case of AI, you're going to need, you know, need those questions and need those perspectives. Exactly. Yep. Have you found that that's important? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we get, it's it's fascinating, when we get in our um, brainstorming sessions on artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. I have a very diverse group of folks that works with me on that. And it's intentional because everybody comes at it with a different perspective. And without those perspectives, I don't think we would have been able to create some of the solutions that we have thus far and 
we're continuing to evolve them. So having those different perspectives is super, super important. I mean, AI is one example, but you can also say that for ESG or any other kind of industry that you're working in. So what would be your advice to somebody who's thinking about learning more about ESG? Because I feel like I, it, I, I could see it being an intimidating area to get into the way that you know, just the way that it is. Is it something that you think, jump right in, figure it out? Yeah, I mean, well, I can tell you, I'm not an ESG expert. So I went through this process last year. I'm like, wow, you know, we're embarking on this. All right, let's go. I'm going to go learn some frameworks, you know. So if you're interested, I would say don't let the acronyms and the terminology scare you off. I think you have to get grounded, do some research, join some forums and some discussions and figure out, is that really a place for you? Is that something you're interested in? Mm -hmm. And then be able to tie it to something practical, you know, like the genes program I talked to you about or Chipotle, something that means something to you. Because I think if you can take, you can take things like these overarching frameworks and then connect it back to something that means something to you, it helps you internalize a really deep and technical space much quicker. That sounds like wonderful advice. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. You have taught me more than I can possibly grasp in terms of ESG, but this has been really fantastic. And thank you so much for being here. Oh, no, no problem, Dara. It was my absolute pleasure today. And just let the listeners and viewers know how they can, how they can find you. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, absolutely. You can um, see, you know, research us on Benchmark Digital um, ESG online. You can also reach out to me on LinkedIn. So my name is Natasha Porter. You can find me there. Feel free to send me a request or any questions that you might have. And then Daryl also share some of the resources that you mentioned earlier in our discussion that you can also publish out with our chat. That sounds terrific. Thank you so much. All right. Great. Thank you.